Hello, and welcome to Once More with Commentary. We are a Buffy and Angel podcast. I'm Jenny. And I'm Allie. And today we're talking about season six. We are talking about all the way <laughs> for Buffy and Billy for Angel. Yeah. Uh, we just already had a pretty long catch-up session <laughs> pre-recording, but how are you doing? I'm good. We'll spare everyone that yeah. conversation. It's been a week, um, yeah. but I'm good. I'm frazzled because I'm like about to embark on like a ton of travel um, and I'm like, haven't even gotten to the point where I'm like excited about it yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like I get to see my sister next week. That's fun. Like yeah. I'm kind of out of the blue. So yay. Yeah. I'm, I'm good. I'm, yeah. I just, you know, watched some, some angel. So I'm mm-hmm. thoughtful. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I have nothing to talk about anymore that's not my cat, but my cat is still great. <laughs> and uh, my friend came over last night and we watched a movie and she sat with my friend the whole night, which was super cute. I'm just saying she's like a really friendly cat. Like she didn't hide. She loved being pet by everybody. And then she just curled up at uh, my friend's feet and just sat there. Were you jealous? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was. <laughs> but it was very cute. Because you weren't new. Your friend was, like, novel, so. Well, I mean, I was jealous, but ultimately I'm happy because I want, you know, that's the sort of cat we wanted to get is one that didn't hate people and wouldn't hide all the time. So I'm pleased that that has so far still been true. And or she's maybe meeting, she's, she's just really into the movie. <laughs> I thought about that. Um, but she's going to meet somebody else tonight, too, so, or this afternoon. So we'll put it to the test again. Well, I'm sure she'll pass with flying colors. She's <laughs> still super cute on all the photos that I see. I know. Sorry, I post. This only thing I post. Well, it's like she's you're definitely like a new like. I'm a new mom. Pet, pet mom, like new yeah. mom, because it's like, look at my cute cat, and I'm like, she's not doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> she's posing. You didn't see that one with her, just her big eyes, just looking in the camera. <laughs> It was really cute. She did kind of have that, like, um, that puss in boots. Yeah, her little eyes get all, her pupils get all dilated. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Okay, well, let's talk about Buffy. And Willow. And Dawn. And everyone, really. (laughs) Is that fine? Are you ready to move on? Oh, yeah, no, I'm ready to go. I was just thinking to myself, like, we are really getting in it. Like. We are. Yeah. Um, but I'm really excited. Willow. Um. So, yeah, so All the Way uh, is this season's Halloween episode. Is it bad that I keep wanting to say All the Way with feeling? <laughs> no. Next week is going to be so, so bad. I, I'm i going to have to practice all week not to say Once More with Commentary every time I meet Once More with Feeling. <laughs> like, already, it's so hard for me. Um, okay, but that's not the episode we're on quite yet. So All the Way is the Halloween episode, like I said. So when we start off, they're having... You know, everybody's at the magic shop working. <clears throat> it's a very busy time for them because that's a busy, you know, it's their holiday, their magic shop. But yeah, so a couple of big things happen in this episode. One is that Xander finally tells everybody that he and Anya are engaged uh, and the gang all throw an impromptu kind of engagement party for them. Uh, and while they're doing that, uh, Don announces, OK, I'm like, see you tomorrow and reminds Buffy that she had agreed to let her go to her friend's house for and spend the night that night. Um so, of course, Dawn is up to some trouble, and her friend are not... They pull the old classic switcheroo of, I told my parents they're staying at your house, and I told my parents they're staying at your house thing. So they're, in fact, just going out to meet some boys from the high school that they know, or sort of know, and just get up to general kind of Halloween shenanigans. Um, I mean, so I, I think that's 
pretty much the main storyline here is that Don and her friend are out kind of causing trouble. You know, they're knocking over mailboxes, smashing pumpkins and that kind of thing. They sort of they end up going to this old man's house as on kind of a dare. And it sort of seems like he is going to turn out to be either a murderer or a demon of some kind. But the twist is that instead, the two boys that she and her friend are with are actually vampires. Yeah, I mean, that's the main storyline. Eventually, everybody comes to everybody finds out that this, you know, that Dawn wasn't really at her friend's house and they all go out looking for her. And with the help of Giles, Spike and Buffy, uh, Dawn is able to escape and they kill a bunch of vampires. Um, but yes, meanwhile, Xander is getting very overwhelmed now that he's told everyone he's getting married. The reality of all the things that they're going to need to do and what a marriage and a future even looks like are really hitting him. And he seems to have once again gotten pretty big cold feet um, while Anya is talking a mile a minute and is super excited about everything. Also, Willow uses her magic to decorate the impromptu party, which sort of causes a fight between not sort of causes a fight between her and Tara, as does pretty much all of Willow's suggestions. Now, every time she suggests using magic for anything, um, Tara and her get into a tiff about it later when they're looking for Dawn, (laughs) Willow suggests casually just moving everybody in the bronze to an alternate dimension really quickly. And Tara, I think, uh, (laughs) wisely suggests that she shouldn't do that. Um, and by the end of the episode, they're fighting and not really talking, but until Willow puts a quick memory spell on Tara to make her forget that they even had this fight in the first place. Um, and once again, when they all return home from this, Buffy is happy to tell Giles to just take the lead on disciplining Don, which he does, I think, pretty effectively. But, you know, Buffy doesn't even say anything to Don. Oh, that was like the most coherent summary I've done in <laughs> months. <laughs> I'm sure I missed something, but, you know, that was the, the big picture. Well, there was a lot to talk about. So I think, you know, a lot going on. I, I think we're really getting into like... I mean, we've talked before about how we're kind of slowly coming into like the bigger questions and issues this season, but this mm-hmm. episode really pushes a lot of them to the front. Yes, I agree. Yeah. I, should we talk about Willow? <laughs> yeah, I think we should. And I want to start off with a positive note, which is just that the first thing that we see Willow doing this episode is chastising someone in the magic shop for dressing like a stereotypical witch, which is like fine and kind of funny. But I never noticed before that she's while she's lecturing this girl in the magic shop, she's holding a book called Remedial Witchcraft. <laughs> she's like trying to be like, no, 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 you've got this all wrong. Here, read this book. Like those, that's not any of her actual dialogue. But I was like, that's actually really funny. And I never noticed it before. And I think it's like the witch that was dressed up was buying a copy of Remedial Witch. I don't think and she, I don't think she was. Angry. I think Willow was trying to teach her like, you need to study up because you're doing this wrong. Well, either way, it's funny, I guess. But anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Willow is just, I, I, I think, as we've as we've been saying pretty much every week, I, it's it has been a, a, I mean it hasn't been a gradual transformation exactly, but this has been well established, especially since the first episode of this season. That this is how Willow is living her life. She's getting more and more arrogant. She's getting more and more pushy, even with Tara. I think this is the first time that we've really seen her butt up against Tara. You know, in the past, it's kind of been everyone else questioning her, and Tara hasn't really been the one to take the lead on that and so this is the first time that that's happening and I think it is a is a bit of a shock not um a bad writing shock but like it is it is very notable at the end when it's like oh not only is she willing to do these things to everybody but she's willing to do this to Tara you know I think this is a obviously a very important moment in this season 
Yeah, so I really had a th- some thoughts about that because, you know, we've talked before about how Tara seemed weirdly ignorant of a lot of this mm-hmm. and maybe she was like trying not to notice something that was unpleasant or what I was actually wondering at the end of this episode, is this the first time that Willow's done this to her? Like, yes, yes. Because uh, that would kind of explain Tara's weird, like yes. detachment from Willow's spiral into yes. using more and more magic. And, you know, as we've talked about, she definitely uses it as like an emotional cheat. So like there's, I, especially because she already had those flowers just kind of lying around yeah, like, and, knew, and didn't have to look up that spell. No, I was really found myself wondering like, oh, this is just the first time we're seeing this, but like yeah. maybe this is what she's been doing. And for how long? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's incredibly invasive and unfair. Like she basically takes Tara's emotional agency away from her. Yes. I mean, it's incredibly offensive. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, also actually, that somebody like who, somebody who wrote her- us in suggested that before too. Uh, one of our one of our listeners wrote a, a great email and that oh was that she had been well just it was just a, sugge- her, just a suggestion memory. yeah I think kind of like you it's not I I, I don't think anybody could d- make you know you can't prove it one way or another but I definitely think you're right to say that if you wanted to make that case there's enough evidence there for it yeah and it's it's shocking because I think you know this has been in the background this whole time but I also think this is the first episode where you're really noticing like I, it's, it's kind of like cruelty, but I don't even know, like Willow's casualness. Like, I think that's a word that you used about these spells is shocking because she thinks nothing about the impact on the people. Like, Oh, I'll just casually shift them to another dimension. It won't harm them. But like it could, what if they got stuck in that other dimension? Like that is an extreme solution. You know, surely there is some other much more minor thing that she could have suggested or thought of to help find Dawn. Like, why don't you float all the 15? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, there's like, there's got to be some better, less risky choice. Yeah. Or you got in a fight with your girlfriend. What if you like mess up and mess up her memory forever? Who, by the way, this is your girlfriend who had her mind invaded and stolen from glory last season. And now you're just so casually messing with it again. Like, I, and, like and also just like that yeah. she really doesn't think that anything's wrong with it. Exactly. I mean, she has clearly lost the thread here. And I think, yeah, I, I mean, and I guess what I mean to say by suggesting that, like, not only does Willow suggest doing something, using magic constantly for everything always now, but when they're in the bronze, she suggests putting people into an alternate dimension. And it's like, surely you can think of a better, less risky move. But I think what we've seen repeatedly, especially this season, is that Willow is definitely getting off on how far she can go. So it's like, that's why she's not thinking of a more reasonable solution. Is she's not going to just say, like, do a locator spell for Dawn, which is a thing they've done before, and is probably a lot less risky than just moving every single person to another dimension. You know what I mean? So it's like, there's also certainly an aspect of her that is trying to do, push it, push things as far as she can possibly go with her magic to prove that she can do it and to prove to everybody else I that she can do it. I think that's definitely part of it. And I think it's like an addiction thing too, as exactly. we talked about. Like yeah. she sounds crazy and she sounds crazy in her like rationalizing of it. it yes. Really, is like that she must know on some level that this is like the insane solution, but like she's so casual about it and also just so like she gets so defensive of it too, but also mm-hmm. her willingness to just like treat it as normal and kind of hope everybody goes along with it too. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah, it seems to me like, you know, addictive like behavior where she's like trying to hide how far it's gone, but yeah. also like yeah. just trying to pretend like it's no big deal and everything's normal and I'm fine. And what's wrong with you for questioning it? You know? Yeah. That makes sense to me, too. I mean, I think they're definitely going to take that metaphor a little bit farther, but, like, her behavior was really striking to me. Yeah. Like, you know. 
that she's yeah. just like, oh, don't worry, it's just a tiny little thing. And like, like also pretending like Tara doesn't know what Willow's talking about. Like, Tara right. knows yeah. how big of a spell that As actually much. is. Yeah. 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 Because we've only really seen Giles come down on her before for this. And it's notable that he does do that a little bit here too. And mm-hmm. also that Tara and Giles are in agreement and that Will- Willow also takes offense at that. Like that right. they must be like the paranoia of like, well, you're talking behind yeah, the back yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, well, Instead no, we don't have to. It's like thing. right in front of us. Yeah. yeah. Um, Shoot, yeah, I had another thought in there too, but um, well, I just have to say too, though, like for con- if you're gonna conjure up decorations, well, those were kind of shitty decorations. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> some of those just streamers, like not even proper, like um, what's that? What's that kind of wrinkly? Oh, oh like my god, crepe, crepe, crepe paper. paper. Yeah, like they weren't that. It was like literally just like those spools of ribbon that you get that are like good for curling on wrapping presents. They were just mm. taped to the ceiling and dri- and just fall. Like they weren't placed well it was i have a lot of thoughts it was not good a couple lanterns here or there yeah. i, I well, like to chalk that up to fine, willow like only half-heartedly <laughs> helping anya <laughs> yeah i just if you're gonna put a spell to make decorations they could look a little better i'm sure that was just not where they had the budget in this episode so like no. i am sorry to be hard on everybody but not impressed yeah uh okay should we move on to dawn yeah. Or the Dawn story, <laughs> The I other guess. disappointment. <laughs> the other disappointment. Uh, I have to say, first off, though, that, like, they give this whole... Buffy and Spike and Giles are all kind of having this conversation in the magic shop, uh, not together all at once, but you know what I mean, about whether or not they should patrol on Halloween. And I think you and I have said this before, but it's just, like, at this point, you, you guys just need to accept that things are always going to happen on Halloween, and you just need to do it. You need to patrol on Halloween. Stop taking Halloween off. There's literally been an incident every Halloween since the show has existed. Like, let's just do it. <laughs> no, but I also love the parallel of, like, we saw a lot of what Dawn is doing, like Buffy and her friends do when they were around her age, too. And yeah. for them, the difference was, like, you know, they pulled that old... Hold, um, like sleepover trick, you know, once, but it was in the name of fighting evil. It's true. So, yeah. <laughs> like, I think they feel like theirs was a little more justified and like, yeah. you know, Buffy used to be out all night patrolling and all of that, but, um, Dawn really doesn't get the same freedoms. Yeah. And I mean, Dawn doesn't have a sacred duty and special yeah. hours. <laughs> also Buffy was like out, you know, patrolling and stuff. She wasn't like shoplifting and she was causing... making out with guys though. She was, but she wasn't like smashing people's pumpkins and all that stuff so like dawn isn't really up to any good like which begs my question of like who's been letting her go to parties and like do all this stuff exactly (laughs) yeah i mean she's makes it clear that she's seen that guy at a few parties so they've she's probably been sneaking out is my assumption but i think it's just not that hard when it's only been willow and tara and they probably are at school and they also just maybe are giving her the benefit of the doubt i mean i think that this tracks pretty well with like someone who's lost both parents who has had a really unstable childhood, who has all had a lot of emotional issues anyway. And so I think that, you know, I mean, like those are kind of all the like rote explanations ones gets one gets about teenage behavior and like why kids are rebelling and breaking the rules tends to be because of all those factors. So I do think in that way, it's not, it's not weird to me that she's doing these things or experimenting or trying to push bounds. Um, I think she kind of has good reason to do so. And it's also clear that like nobody here is really, they seem pretty bad at assessing um, emotional trauma and the fallouts that might come from that, you know, like, and it's not anybody's one person's fault, but I just am saying, I, I understand where this is coming from, even though Dawn yeah. is obviously being a brat. <laughs> yeah. Very smart of Anya not to let her try on her ring. Cause she Agreed. might try to steal it. <laughs> yeah. Also, I have to say like, I, 
if the show is going to take an episode where they, like, focus on Dawn, mm. like, I kind of, on one hand, like, appreciate the effort for that. On the right. other hand, I'm like, it wasn't that interesting, so. Um, I mean, I think it was okay. I, I think the old man twist was pretty good. I think there's also, like, a weird, deep backstory to that that kind of gets glossed over, but in a way that I thought was, like, clever. You know, like, they introduced that old man character. It's clear that he's a little bit suspicious and that he's maybe not completely together. Um... And then he, when he's when they get into his house, he kind of gives them this like, oh, I had this tragic like I had this great career until something went horribly wrong. We never find out what that thing is. Like, did he make a mistake or did something terrible happen to him? We'll never know because they killed him. But like, I don't know. I guess I appreciated those kind of mild no, I think Mr. X. And that like, I think, kind of yeah. horror twist was fine. But like, I really didn't like the thing with the vampires. Like, it just felt. Yeah, I mean, it's like not my I favorite. really didn't understand what was happening. Like they weren't acting like vampires that we've seen, where like maybe it's some con that they're running, like get some girls to go make out with you in the wood and woods and kill them. But like Dawn's vampire was like weirdly reluctant to do anything, and the whole I, stuff in the middle of like, oh, this is Dawn's big moment, like her first kiss, and it has to be a vampire. Like I don't know. Like I think I would have liked it better if the show had let her kind of have a normal experience. Yeah, that's probably true, but. I think the other point that uh, Alex actually made while we were watching this is, is like, as much as uh, the show loves to talk about how hard it is for Buffy to lead a normal life because she's a slayer, like, what kid in Sunnydale can lead a normal life? None of them can. <laughs> yeah. Um, she's a really weird game for those vampires to be playing. I don't think I don't think that's that weird. I think that there is enough established lore in the universe to suggest that the vampires really do keep some aspects of their personality. And I think what they're getting at here is that like, they might be vampires, but they're still teenage boys, you know? And so it's like, this is probably what they were doing before, except now it ends in them killing and eating the girls instead of just like making out with them or whatever. Maybe. Cause I just didn't understand why they did the whole detour with like, let's go do some mischief on Halloween. Think, like, but that's just like, go kill them. But I think they were enjoying the mischief too. I mean, we saw Spike lament that he doesn't get to throw riots anymore. I think that is kind of part of their nature is like, they still have mm. other interests, you know, Spike still watches TV. Why is he doing that? <laughs> I did love it though. When Spike was Monster. like yelling at them and he was like, it's Halloween, you knit. We take yeah. the night off. <laughs> also that Spike really was like, it's okay. I'm just going to go home and watch Charlie Brown Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> or the great pumpkin, I mean, sorry. Anyway, I don't think it's weird that they want to do other things. I mean, you can't just be eating people 24-7. They have other interests. Their interests are causing mayhem and wreaking havoc. I guess. With pretty girls and then eating them. I think it totally tracks. I'm not saying it's the best I just story. Didn't find I'm just saying I think it makes sense. Interesting to watch, but... Yeah, that's a fair assessment. But, yeah, okay, I guess I don't have that much more to say about Dawn specifically. Other than, um, you know who I did really like in this in these moments was Giles. Like... How cool was Giles in this episode? <laughs> he was so good at fighting. <laughs> I'm like, and I know that Giles is good at fighting, but every time I see it, it's just, I, I I had this moment in my head when I was watching this where I was like, that's why I'm so mad that Giles keeps leaving or trying to leave the show is because he's just such a cool character. I just want more Giles all the time. Like I never am sad when we spend time with him. He's always interesting. He's got so many facets to him and so many interesting ties and relationships with every character on the show that it's like, I like watching him discipline Don, even though I understand the ramification. Like, I understand why Buffy needs to step up. But I th also thought, like, he's such a good disciplinarian. Like, he really spoke to her in a way that was great. And when he was there to back her up, fighting her first, you know, fighting for her first when he needed to, he took out several vampires. Buffy, like, tossed him a stake and he did a great, like, one-two stake. Everything about it was cool. No, I thought he was great, and I also love that he wasn't willing to just be like, I'm disappointed that he straight up was yeah, like, no, said, I am angry also, I'm at angry. you, like, yeah. you're dumb. Exactly. 
I mean, I guess that just that much, I guess that my one bit of commentary about that too, is that like, I do understand why Buffy leans on him because he is better. He's good at that. He was good at that. You know, she does need to do yeah. it, but I, he is also a great person to learn from or to rely on for parts of it. So, but yeah, but Giles is great. I did actually, I did like the showdown scene in general. I thought that was funny. I liked, I liked Buffy and Dawn getting to do their little, you know, repartee about like you kissed a vampire and her, I just, Buffy's reactions I thought were pretty charming. And even I fell for even the, the fight, the vampire who was just like, can't we just fight now? Like all of that worked for me. I thought it was funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Plus we got a pre sisterhood of the traveling pants, Amber Tamblin. <laughs> yeah. Wearing hip huggers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh, um, not to backtrack, but I did forget to say this when we were talking about Willow and Tara. Obviously, the the Willow aspect of this is on kind of one level. I do think otherwise, though, that the show has done a really good job with their re- relationship, you know, because there was, aside from, like I said, aside from all the actual problems that they're having because of Willow specifically <laughs> making really bad choices, I think there was also one or, there's also one or two lines in here, like when they're at the bronze and Willow says it as a joke to Tara that like Tara says like, oh, are you trying to turn me on? And Willow's like, oh, I have to try now. I think that was also like a nice, just subtle indication of like, this is their first long-term relationship and they've been dating each other for a long time. So it's like, not only are they having problems because of a lot of outside forces and because of Willow's choices, but I don't want to say that they're having problems. It's just that like they are going through realistic stages of a long-term relationship, especially your first long-term relationship of like learning that like, Oh, you're not always going to be hot for each other the way that you were in the beginning. But like, I guess I just think the show is always doing little things like that to kind of just really establish their relationship. I think that's why one of the reasons why we care about it so much, not just because also I love Tara and I like Willow, even though she's a brat. No, I think that was really interesting to see. But I also, in retrospect, what it made me wonder was because Tara went from kind of angry at Willow doing magic to like flirting with her in the mall. So I don't know. The more the I mall. thought about it, the more you I was like, the oh, was there some sort of other spell that we didn't see? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just Willow ruined everything for me. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. I think I... I no, think I think that good, was also more of an yeah. indication of, like, you can have, like, a momentary tiff and then, like, five minutes later it's yeah. fine. Yeah. Well, and a bit, again, because, like, unlike kind of the later... Now that Willow has done this memory spell and we know it, I mean, that's a much bigger issue than party decorations. I think the party decorations are certainly an indication of things about her that are that need to be checked and reined in, but that itself I can understand not necessarily being, like, the longest fight. Like, that's not as big of a deal, ultimately, you know? Yeah. Huh. <sighs> All right. That's well, I, should we talk about Xander? Oh, yeah, we should. <laughs> I was just going to move on. <laughs> Please, we should. Because I think it's, I mean, <clears throat> I don't know if I have so much more to say, but it is a little bit like Xander's taking like one step forward, two steps back. Like yeah. he's the one who decides to tell everyone because he's so in love with Anya in that I moment know, where she's like celebrating about the money and it's really sweet <clears throat> and they have all this. And then throughout the episode, he's just steadily like, worse and worse and worse like it's like yeah. you didn't think about any of this like, I know you, you asked her to marry you like that's not just like oh let's have a wedding and I bought a ring that I'm gonna be paying off forever it's like yeah. there are things that come after that that Anya yeah. would expect and if if you don't want that stuff you have to talk about it like yeah uh, I agree being yeah. so stupid it's also like why you shouldn't get married at age 20 but it's true I mean because it really is all just signs of immaturity um also, though, how a little creepy accidental foreshadowing in that scene when he's like staring at Anya and he's like, I'm going to marry that girl. But Dawn's also in the scene. 
Oh, yeah. I don't think they meant and it that, that way, but... Uh, and also uh, that Buffy thought that's who he meant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Spoilers if you haven't read the comics. Um, yeah. I don't know if they actually get married. Yeah. I just know that they date. I don't know if they do, but so. yeah, they, they definitely get together, which has always been weird to me, but... Yes. Mm. Anyway, um, Xander and Anya. Oh, like, and it's so heartbreaking yeah. because, like, Anya is so... Like, she's become excited. so human in her, like, eagerness to get yeah. married and, like, everything that comes with it. And she's so excited for the rituals and the parties and, you know, the bachelorette party and all of that. I guess to be a little bit fair, though, she's also making a lot of announcements to people about things that they've never discussed. And, like, as much as they both should know, like, Xander shouldn't be surprised that these are things that she wants. But she also probably, if they haven't ever talked about them, maybe don't tell everybody how many kids you're going to have. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, that's definitely true. She's also making mistakes and is also immature, probably partially because she's lived a long time, but not in this type of reality. So, yeah, I think... There's a lot of red flags here, <laughs> yeah. which is unfortunate because I do think that they're great together. I like them together. They clearly are not old enough to be making this choice <laughs> or not no. mature enough because Anya's very old. <laughs> well, we'll get more of that. Yes, we will. Um, okay. Do you want to move on to Angel? Or do you have any final closing thoughts? No, um, I think I'm ready to move on to Angel. Okay. And Billy. And so, Billy. yeah, so this episode picks up on the thread where we saw Angel release that guy from the hell prison to mm-hmm. save Cordelia as Lila was torturing her with her visions. And so now they're seeing the consequences of that choice. We see Billy as we learn his name is, because I don't even know if we ever learned his name in the yeah. previous episode. Um, I don't think so. Has sort of escaped from his his family or it's implied that he ran away from his family and has been recovered at the law offices of Wolfram and Hart where Lila discovers Gavin sort of potentially trying to poach her client and so um Billy leaves he's collected by his family it's revealed that his family is this like super connected (coughs) political family Mm -hmm. um like his uncle's a senator and um so they take him and they leave and then Gavin starts punching Lila and like beating her up in her office because a little argument escalates to violence and we see Billy smiling. So we kind of get an indication like, okay, that's his thing. Um, then Cordelia gets a, a vision of a convenience store owner murdering his wife only to realize that it happened like a week before. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing that they can do. So she's wondering why the powers would have shown her this vision that had already happened. And then they, look at the footage from the murder and see Billy in the store about 20 minutes before it happened. So they realize that, oh, she's getting a signal that he is causing these issues and she needs to try to stop it. So everyone kind of splits up like Angel's gone off and trying to hunt down Billy and Cordelia feels responsible for all of this. Billy gets himself put into police custody and then escapes, meanwhile, causing havoc along the way. So he's off out and about in the city. Um, Wesley comes in contact with some of his blood. Angel comes in contact with Billy. And um, Cordelia kind of goes off on a hunt trying to find him. Meanwhile, Fred is stuck at the hotel with Wesley, who we've learned has a bit of a crush on Fred. Um, Unfortunately, that kind of, um, once he's infected by the blood, morphs into this like really horrifying sequence where Mm -hmm. Wesley is chasing Fred through the hotel and, you know, angrily accusing her of 
provoking him with her sexy outfits and her nice smell and just generally trying to tempt him because that's what women do. And he was like weirdly biblical about all of it. And Fred is obviously terrified because Wesley very much seems like he's about to kill her. Um, Gunn shows up and tries to help her, but he realized that he's probably going to be infected too because he also touched the bloody handprint. Um, So Fred has to knock Gunn out and then rig up some kind of trap to knock Wesley out and get him away from her as well, which she does. Um, mm-hmm. But meanwhile, Cordelia and Angel are out trying to deal with Billy. Cordelia tracks him down to the airfield where he's summoning a private plane to go wherever. Um, she comes there with the intent to kill him. Angel stops her, and Billy tries to use his mojo on Angel, but it doesn't work. And then Lila actually kills Billy because... You know, he was responsible for her getting beaten up. And also she, Cordelia talks to her and I think kind of gets through to her a little bit about how much mm-hmm. of this is Lila's responsibility. Yeah. Um, and then we end with Fred trying to get Wesley to come back to work and Wesley's apologizing and heartbroken. And it's just all very sad. Yeah. This episode was heavy, man. <laughs> it was. I mean, I, I have to admit that the kind of philosophy behind it was not my favorite. And I think they tried to walk it back in that final scene with Fred. I don't, I don't, I don't not like this. Like it was a fine episode, but I, which philosophy do you mean? I think there's a part early on where they describe what Billy's power does is like basically uncovers the latent misogyny that is in every man. And I think specifically the way we see that play out with Wesley, I just don't, I, I don't agree it was with more that. that you know, he was like transmitting his own misogyny to these other they, men because, like, if you listen to Billy talk the, about women, like he definitely sounds like he had some yes. issues. I agree with that, but that's not how they describe it until the very end of the episode. So I guess I was a little bit annoyed by this sort of like characterization. I don't know. I just I, I think that part graded on me, and I also just. Even when I get it, I get it. I know it's for effect and I know it was a story, but I don't love watching Wesley chase Fred around. Like, frankly, I guess that's no. part of it. It's like we already have a character, Angel, who has a canonically misogynistic alter ego. You know what I mean? So it's just like we've already covered this territory a lot. If we're going to cover it again, I'd prefer that it be with Angel because that would be less jarring to me as a person. I just I, I guess ultimately the way that Wesley is at the end of this episode is how I felt, <laughs> you know, is like, yeah. why did you make why did you put me through this? And I'm not sure it really accomplished anything by doing that with Wesley. So I think well, that's my kind of overall arching. Like, I appreciate the story that they're trying to tell. I don't think they totally nailed it. I don't dislike it. I think what they're trying to do or what I take it is like. The reason they choose Wesley is because they're trying to set up some sort of like yet another kind of star-crossed romance. And um, Wesley realizes that he likes Fred and wants to get to know her better. And then it's just really bad timing because then he like tries to murder her. So he can't exactly like, you know, try to explore his feelings or get to know her because now he feels horrible about what he's done. And also I think it's supposed to be this contrast of like that person Wesley became when he was rampaging through the hotel is not at all who Mm -hmm. he is like he's like shaken to his core by what happens to him yeah and by what he did to fred and um i think it kind of sets up this thing that goes on for a few seasons where wesley is trying to like get back to where he was supposed to be able to start with fred um And I mean, we haven't really gotten too much into that stuff yet, but this is kind of the beginning of it for me. And also to me, like the beginning of like Wesley just getting a lot of really bad breaks. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Poor Wesley. But yeah, I mean, 
this horrible thing happens to him and like, you know, he is supposed to lead the team and come back and kind of shake it off. But I mean, yeah. we see him at the end. It's like not that easy to do. Yeah. Um, I think you're right though. I think that instance, they definitely make the case where like it wasn't Wesley. It was, he was infected with whatever Billy wanted, but yeah, they, I guess they, they don't do as good a job ways. of that with like the, yeah. um, the taxi drivers and the, exactly. the police officer and exactly. all that. But I think also too, we like don't know anything about those characters. So maybe that's why it comes off that way because they like have no well, character yeah. backstory that of we course. can draw on to be like, oh, they're not really that way. But I guess that's what I'm saying is that the show wants it to be both ways. They want to have it both ways. <laughs> and I don't want them to have it both ways. I want them to set up a little bit more clearly that this is something that Billy was doing and not just use it at the end of the episode when they need to make sure that we all can still love and trust Wesley. I think the whole episode painted it the other way until that final scene. And I accept that final scene because I think that makes more sense, period, you know, frankly, in the world. I don't think every man is just waiting to rampage until, you know, but this, but for this thin veneer of, of society, you know. So, like, I don't think that that story made sense anyway. I'm happy to accept that with Wesley. But I, I just, yeah. I mean, I, I don't have anything new to say about it. And I don't, I don't want to dwell on it. It's not like, like I said, I don't, I don't hate this episode. And specifically... I loved Cordelia in this episode as I love Cordelia in all episodes. And I think Fred was great. I, yeah, I guess I just think misogyny is a touchy subject and the show is always a little bit iffy on the way it handles it. Yeah, but let's talk about Cordelia then because I do actually think this is a good turning point for her character where Agreed. we start to see her start to be a little bit more proactive in yeah. her role here. Like she's not happy to just kind of be safe you know, pitch in with a vase yeah. here or there when there's a battle and like, yeah, you know, exactly. have to run. She wants to start taking more agency around her ability to fight back and her ability to be an effective member of the team. And also I think it's serving to kind of show some like sexual tension between her and Angel while they're doing romantic slow motion martial arts. And, yes, you know, we've seen him do that seen. with Buffy. That's mm -hmm. kind of his move. So. <laughs> yes. But no, I mean, I totally, I love that opening scene and I think it's like, it's totally the correct logical step. If you were Cordelia and you were con by like order of the powers that be, you're always going to be in embroiled, you know, like it makes a lot of sense that you need to learn how to defend yourself or at least learn some more than what you can kind of, than just how to skate by. And I think that, yeah, I totally love that Cordelia has taken the initiative to bring this up, that nobody else suggested to her. It's her idea. And I, don't love cheerleaders, but I appreciated also that like she does have this training and I really liked her able to kind of throw that in Angel's face about like, no, I know how to learn choreography. Like that's a skill I have. <laughs> yeah. But also like that she takes to it really well. Like, mm -hmm. of course, Cordelia is like competent and good at things. And, um, you know, I thought about I thought a lot about in this episode because she made that comment to Lila about like how I used to be you yes. or, you know, and this is this young, like 20 year old woman telling yeah, a seasoned telling. lawyer, like I used to be you. And it's a really weird statement, but I was thinking about that. Like the way Cordelia is on this show and the way she interacts with the team here, mm -hmm. like the team in Sunnydale would not even recognize her probably yeah. because she's come so far in two seasons and she's almost, she's not a totally different character. She's still no. Cordelia, but she's evolved and, and grown. I and, and exactly to that point, I think what they always do well with her is, is keep that in mind. You know, she, she is always like, she make like that conversation she has with Lila, I agree. You're right. That looking at it from that angle of like this 22 year old coming in here and telling me how to live my life would be very annoying. But like, I think they're always true to Cordelia's inner, you know, inner, I don't know what to call it, but like her inner arrogance or whatever, like she, she is always going to have that angle to her. And even in, even in her training with Angel, right? Like she's confident and that's never going to change. She's going to be confident even doing this thing that she hasn't done before because she knows how to like 
yeah, I don't know. I mean, and if anything, I think that's going to make her a good fighter because that seems to be a big part of it. But yeah, I think that's what works so well about Cordelia's growth and change is that it really is just her maturing. It's not her changing who she is. You know, she still is Cordelia enough to have this, you know, two second banter with Lila about her shoes and the new fall line or whatever. Like she's always going to still care about the same things that she ultimately cares about, but she's gonna, she just has changed her perspective. So, so wildly. Yeah, no, I love that she was still able to jump in and have that conversation. Yeah. Like she's still keeping up with the fashions, yeah. even though she clearly can't afford to buy them yes. anymore. But I, yeah, that was funny. Yeah. Um, no, but Cordelia yeah. was great in this episode. And also that she wasn't coming to tell him, like to tell Billy, you know, how terrible he was and all of this, that she was like, no, I'm here to kill you. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm here to make sure that you get put exactly where you're supposed to be. And I actually believe she would have pulled that trigger. I think so, so, too. As a part of me that wishes they had let her do it, too. But, I, you know, I get it. Well, it's I also, also think, like, Lila, Lila was it. a little bit smarter in her yeah. choice of weapons because it's Cordelia true. obviously <laughs> was hesitating because she had a risk of her hurting Angel. But um, yeah. bullets, man, <laughs> they're going to hurt him, but they're not going to kill him. So. Oh, but also very A-plus Veronica Marsing and grabbing a taser. <laughs> also, <laughs> I love that. I, like, saw her grab it out of the weapons cabinet. I was like, smart choice, Cordelia, smart choice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's still so jarring to me on the shows when um, bullets come into play, though. But it is, yeah. I think less so on Angel, but yeah, it's like, oh my god, what's that noise? <laughs> yeah, because they're literally like fighting with swords at the beginning of the episode. Yeah, and then yeah, a thing that I didn't, <laughs> the other thing that was that kind of was annoying is, uh, I, I assume that he gets over this at some point, but Angel does have this like weird chivalry that gets really annoying you know like in early on in the episode when they get the crime scene photos from cordelia's vision and he's like oh you shouldn't have to see this and cordelia is the one who's like i literally already saw this i'm like what are you doing angel but the other thing that i that i really judged angel for in this episode is that like not one or two episodes ago did we see him think he wouldn't be able to get put under that old man's spell and he was totally susceptible for it like it seems like a real crapshoot when magics will affect a vampire and when they won't. And he doesn't know or understand the reasons behind it. So like for him to really go guns blazing in to deal with Billy, I think was really a really, really poor choice because he is strong. We know that when somebody is able to take over Angel, it's twice the damage because then they have Angel strength and vampire skills. So it's like, I don't think this was the right move. Like this was not the time to test that theory. I don't think. And that really bothered me about Angel's choices. It's like, you can't just go guns blazing all the time and hope that this is one of the 50% of of times that it doesn't affect you. Like, I'm glad that it didn't, it worked out for them, but he can't, he shouldn't be living that way. No, but I think the show was trying to like have it both ways, but they did it in a way that I can almost buy because Angel's rationale for this is that, Billy's powers can't affect him because the thing that Billy's trading in is sure. something that Angel learned how to master a long time ago. That's true. So, like, he might feel those emotions, and it kind of seems like he did, but he's able to redirect them and use them to his advantage and not, you know, fall so susceptible to what... He just missed Billy all Billy basically, the like, gives him the... Like the full dose of his powers, you know. And he just missed all the inv- like Wesley and Gunn were the one investigating how his powers worked. Angel missed all of that, so I just think he has he doesn't know what it is or how it works. No, I no like he doesn't know maybe how it's transmitted and all of that. But I think he's been following up with the various string of you know yeah domestic and violent incidences across the city where he's picked up that it's you know triggering mm. this anger in men against women 
Yeah. You know, because he talks to the cab drivers, he talks to his cousin, he talks to yeah. presumably the cops. So. Um, well, as... Uh, sorry. By the way, speaking of cops, did I forget about this or did Kate just kind of disappear and never come back? I forget. Like, I literally really have forget. like a final episode. I don't she? remember. I forget. I block her out of my memory. I'm glad she's not here anymore. <laughs> I, I don't remember. Every time I see him near the cops because I'm like, oh. I think the last episode was the one where he saved her and she was kind of like, fine. Did she run away at the end of that episode? I don't remember. Mm-mm. I don't even care to look it up. I don't care. It's the problem with the character. <laughs> I'm glad that she's not here anymore. I don't want to relive any of that. Sorry to bring her up. <laughs> uh, I guess my other kind of final comment about this is, uh, or yeah, just that I did also appreciate and I always appreciate and I awe every single time when Wesley and Gunn have just like a great, efficient conversation. Like it's so clear that they've been now working together for a long, long enough that they have like established patterns. Like early on, you know, Wesley's like, Oh, it would be great if somebody would go to the hospital and pretend to have a sick family member. And then Gunn just naturally follows the rest of that. And is like, yeah. And if they said this, this, and this, and they're like in total agreement. And then they just part ways. Like I, that was such a beautiful moment between the two of them. I really gets me every time. Like not just that they are efficient and know what they're doing and how to have investigations, but they just really, the two of them seem to have bonded so much. It is nice to see, especially, you know, I think they did a really good job though, showing that, you know, integrating new members of the team is a slow process yes. and that it's taken almost a full season to get Wesley and Gunn and Cordelia all into that place. Yeah. And then that we're so we're seeing the same thing with Fred where it's kind of a slow process where everybody's kind of charmed by her and putting up with her, but like nobody still was really like close to her or mm-hmm. getting to know her very well, except Wesley wants to, but yeah. you know, she's still kind of this like pet project that they have, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think that that's realistic. Like, I think you don't just, like, become super close with people overnight. Agreed. Like, even Angel and Cordelia, you know, had, you know... Three seasons worth. Three seasons worth, but also even before that, like, they weren't that close. It's like they had a handful of episodes, and then they had this, like, intense bonding experience over mm-hmm. Doyle's death to bring them together. True, you know? yeah. I also just... We already covered this storyline, but would be remiss without uh, bringing up that the Wesley and... Um, Fred, you know, staging of that storyline was also very, very, uh, very much homage to an homage to The Shining. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I had that thought watching um, this episode, not about, well, I guess creepy hotels are always going to remind me of The Shining, but that one of the brilliant things of having your show set in a hotel like this, an Mm -hmm. abandoned hotel, is especially a show like this one where the opportunities to just use a standing set for like a horror sequence are mm-hmm. unlimited. <laughs> like yeah. that must've been part of the upside of planning that is like, Oh, if we set it in this hotel, like, you know, not only is like there this like demon living in the, in the attic or whatever, but there's also this opportunity to use the setting for more horror. Mm-hmm. Um, and frankly, Amy Acker looks quite a bit like Shelley Duvall. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but I mean, and I, I, that was certainly intentional play on that. Also, yeah, at, at least in the... Well, actually, in the movie and in the book, I mean, there is... Misogyny is a big storyline, and Wesley played that out to the point of well, beating down a door, though, burst not in and yell, here's Johnny. Yeah, that would have been too much. <laughs> here's Wesley. <laughs> now, had he jumped in and said, here's Brownie. <laughs> That's a community reference, if no one knows. <laughs> yeah. 
it's like that's just hanging there. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I'm. I don't really have anything more to say about this one. No. Oh, but how excited am I that we're finally here, here at once more with feeling. Oh yeah. I mean, we're not here yet. It's next week, but I was like, here, here, episode. where in Angel? No, not an Angel. <laughs> Sorry, I already moved back to Buffy. I listened to the soundtrack last week, uh, just because it just was in you know the mood struck. I'm Ripley primed. really I'm liked ready. it. I saw that. Ripley really loved it. Yeah, I'm like, part of me is like, do we need to have? separate episode I know because <laughs> I just feel like it's gonna be an hour I talking about the, the episode musical. of Angel is not worth discussing because we won't I mean I think it will that. be worth discussing oh, shit. so yeah, yeah um based on the name of it I looked it up it's called Offspring so mm-hmm. if I would guess mm-hmm. <laughs> we're gonna have some things to talk about mm-hmm. so yeah well we'll do our best yeah um <laughs> Okay. Well, what what have you got going on this week? What recommendations um, do you have? I have nothing. I'm still that well is still very dry. Yeah, I don't have anything that's new, but I do. I would just worth saying uh, the movie that we watched last night with my cat and my friend <laughs> uh, was <laughs> Mad Max Fury Road because I just like really got a hankering to see it. I haven't seen it since probably since the year it came out, and it's it's still great. Still a great movie. If you liked it before, you'll still like it. If you never saw it before, maybe now's the time to watch it. It's a good movie. Much better in theaters. I I did a little bit regret not being able to watch it in a theater again. Also, just because, like, you know, we live in a big apartment building, and so I always have to be really conscientious of, like, how loud it is getting. And sometimes it's, like, a real crime to just have to sit there and constantly adjust the volume. But, but it was still a great movie. Everybody is good in it. Yeah, it's a weird movie. Mm. <laughs> but it's it's good. <laughs> I saw it in the theater, and I, you know, I hadn't ever seen any of the other mm-hmm. um, films Max, in that yeah. particular series, and like they're rolling down that highway with like those trucks, and mm-hmm. that guy is just like playing the guitar uh-huh. on top of it or yeah. something. I was just like, what am I watching? But none, <laughs> almost none of that stuff is from the other. Like you don't having seen the other movies wouldn't have made any of that make more sense. Like, that's pretty self-contained. No, but I mean, like, none of the other background made any sense either. But yeah. then, like, it turned into this, like, fever dream. And I was like, oh, am I, I okay it. right now? Like- I love it. I love that guy. <laughs> just forget his name, even though we just said it 20 times last night when we were watching it. But he's so good. He, like, sleeps yeah. in his little guitar note. <laughs> his guitar <laughs> bursts flames. Oh. Yeah. Uh, the Polecats well, are my favorite. I actually did that, too, the other day with Bride and Prejudice. And then... Oh, I was thinking about Pride that the and Prejudice, day. the, like, the miniseries version. Oh, so yeah. I always forget how long that is until I'm like halfway through and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was thinking about Pride and Prejudice yesterday because uh, somebody that I work with was showing me this, was showing me this thing that related to uh, Jane Austen and Pride and Prejudice, and I had to sit there and nod and smile as though I remember Pride and Prejudice at all. And she was like, you know, this is like that scene where so and so and so and so write this letter to each other, and I was like, who is that in Pride and Prejudice? Okay, I got it. And <laughs> now I know who we're talking about. <laughs> there for like 10 minutes doing that and it's fine and I didn't say sometimes I'll say I'll let people know that like I really don't know what we're talking about but I was like I can fake this one enough I've seen Bride and Prejudice enough to know the uh, analogs or the yeah uh, the you know what's what's the word for that whatever the um characters that we're talking about I don't know the correct names for them but I know who they are in the story <laughs> I still think that it's one of the better adaptations of Pride and Prejudice I just still always get really sad that Mr. Darcy is like the worst cast character. You don't like him? <sighs> no, I didn't, I I didn't like, know that. 
I was watching it the other day and I was like, you know who would have been amazing in this is like Dermot Mulroney. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He is a little bit um, monotone. Yeah. Especially for a movie that's a Bollywood, essentially a Bollywood movie. (laughs) Like he's very. And uh, I think that's kind of intentional. Like he's not supposed to be as like exuberant as everyone else, but he also just like was kind of one note. He is a little bit It's also like they also had Alexis Bledel play the sister and that's like. She's fine, but, like, she's not asked to do very much. Yeah. But it's just kind of, like, I don't know. The Darcy's are kind of unmemorable. Yeah. But. That's okay, because everyone else is so memorable. I mean, everyone else is amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had no life without wife <sighs> in my head forever. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, we'll be back to talk about Once More with Feeling. I can't wait. Yeah. I, I guess and, it's less that I can't wait. To, I'm excited to talk about it, but more so I'm just excited to watch it. <laughs> I know. I, I am actually curious to, like, I'm sure there'll be a lot to talk about, but, like, we've also talked already a lot about some of the things I know I'm going to want to talk about, so yeah. I'm like, hmm, I don't I, don't I think know. there will still be enough to say, because it's, let me let me preface our, our next episode then by saying, you know, we talked once before about, like, what is, is it possible to have a perfect episode of television? And I don't, this one's going to miss the mark because you, I think the one flaw in it is that you really have to have seen much of what comes before it for it to really be as great as it is. But I think it is a really perfect story, perfectly executed episode of television. That's my With singing theory. and dancing. <laughs> With singing and dancing. Yeah. So I don't, that's where, that's where at least, that's at least one thing that I'm going to be thinking about when I'm watching it is like, does this live up to my memory of it being this perfect story arc, not arc, but episode. I mean, it's sort of an arc, yeah. but you know what I mean? I mean, we'll talk about it. We'll talk I don't want to get into it now. Like, I feel like I'm I know, in danger of doing that. Yeah. But, like, yeah, I agree. Like, everything is just executed so well. Yeah. Um, and then we'll also watch Offspring on Angel. So yeah. <laughs> we might be less <laughs> um, generous in that could one. Could be. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't remember how it goes down. Could be a <laughs> lot. It could be great. Could be terrible. Probably somewhere <laughs> in the middle. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, well, whose who's team are you yeah. on this Okay. Week? Oh, um, Cordelia. Yeah. She's the she's a good choice. I'll 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 be Team Giles because he was also great. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Um, all right. All right. Well, I'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye. Once more with commentary is produced by me, Allie, and me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder, and our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have, and find us on Twitter and Instagram at omwcpodcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com.